here, take my hand. Up you come. Well, quite the view from up here, isn't it? Must be the tallest structure in town. Not scared of heights, are you? How are you getting on, Jasper? Good man, Jasper. We'll have to be careful. I don't think the roof was designed to have the three of us standing on it. You dear! Hello and welcome to another episode of LARP News. Today I'm joined by Scarlet, who's going to talk me through the nation of Highgard, which I have to confess, Scarlet, is not really a nation I know a great deal about. And it's one of those kind of nations I've not really had too many interactions with as Talos on the field. So I was just wondering to sort of kick us off if you kind of introduce yourself and tell us a little bit about who you are and who you play and what Highgard means to you. It means a lot to me. <laughs> um, so, hi, uh, I'm Scarlett, uh, otherwise known as Golden Mochi online. Uh, my pronouns are she and her. And I play Brother Luke, previously of the Shattered Tower. As of next event, whenever that might be, I'm starting my own new group, which I'm very excited by, called the Navigators of Virtue. And uh, his pronouns are he, him. And uh, I just love being in Highgard <laughs> so much. Um, funnily enough, it wasn't actually my first choice when I first joined Empire. I was going to go to the League, but then I had friends in the Shattered Tower in Highgard. So I was like, okay, let's join my mate because I have no idea what I'm doing with this whole LARP malarkey. <laughs> and I have not left since. So your friends were already yeah. in Highgard before you started, and and then you yes. Yeah. So I started at event two, year one. Um, so the group was already established, sure. and one of my mates was like, "Hey, I'm trying out uh, this new LARP called Empire," and I'd never LARPed before ever. Sure. Uh, I was full on baby LARPer <laughs> and was like, "Okay, let's try this and see how it goes." Um, and yeah, like I, I'm a, I, I make costumes as a living. So for me, when I saw the briefs, I was like, oh, the League, that's very much up my street with all doublets and things. And Highguard, I kind of joined and thought, oh, I'll join it. And and then, you know, once I get my head around the game of Empire, I'll then go and make a, a League character. Sure. But then I enjoyed being part of Highguard so much. Like I say, I, I have not left. <laughs> um, and I think there's just so much about it that's just so wonderful like the people the brief uh just it's so deep and there's so much to it yeah if you had to describe high guard to somebody who maybe wasn't from the nation or didn't even play empire mm. how would you how would you describe that to them like the the, the general kind of theme and brief and so on i would think? say uh gondor from lord of the rings like Hardcore Gondor, uh, with a bit of the Byzantine Empire thrown in, and we very like the the very first thing that you have on the Highguard wiki when you click on it is the Empire is our destiny. Mm. That's it, and I think that sums everything up about Highguard. Is we like at our core, we we created the Empire, uh, and we are sort of the protectors and custodians of the empire um whereas all the other nations uh obviously help the empire and you know fight for the empire and all this sort of thing i kind of see it as high guard are the oldest siblings of the rest 
of the nations in which we're sort of like, yes, you do what you need to do and we'll step in when when things get a bit awry and things need to be sorted out and the, you know, the grown-ups need to come in and sweep up the mess that's left behind. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, I'm aware a little bit of the history just because um, mm. I've been kind of delving into sort of history of all, all the different nations a little bit to sort of get a grasp of a, a different sort of podcast episode I'm working on. Mm. But um and and high guard really are like the the founders of the empire mm. from what i can kind of uh, piece together so it's quite interesting now obviously that i mean the story is is far far moved on from that that point and obviously mm. all the different nations that come in and current, of course the current state of play we find ourselves in in the empire how do you feel um sort of high guard sitting in the sort of the current um sort of world events of of empire so I think we have like a uh, sort of dual role. Um, so very much how I see it at the moment in terms of um, the political scene and and all that kind of aspect is it's very much we um, we kind of let the other nations almost take a step forward and kind of leave them to sort of, and sort of we're there almost as observers to to make sure that people are following virtue because ultimately that is at our core is we want to make sure that everyone is following virtue it can be in any way they want you know if if dawn find glory to be virtuous to help them achieve virtue rather um then we'll we'll let them do that kind of thing and it's just very much making sure that people are following the religion um in their own particular way um so we kind of only step in when we need to hmm. but at the same time um as these sort of uh, protectors of the empire were also very willing to i guess almost be martyrs in that respect of um giving up you know great things to help the empire as a whole yeah. so uh recently obviously we've had the whole great pilgrim thing that was what i was um, going to say obviously as an yeah. R, i'm very <laughs> conscious of that that the whole great pilgrim mm. thing do, do you mind describing that a little bit to, to everyone to yeah so basically that was actually a big debate in high guard and it was uh the decision to on whether or not basically someone had put forward a uh statement of principle in the synod that said that the Valorn is the greatest threat to the empire and as a nation that protects the empire, we sort of thought, well, this this is something that's so big, we need to decide um, how to how to address this. If the Valorn is the greatest threat to the empire, we can't just sit by and not do anything about it. <laughs> um, <laughs> and basically, it um, in in the terms of plot, it kicked off. Uh, an, uh, an opportunity where Highguard could essentially be, uh, create a new archetype, uh, which is the Grey Pilgrims, who would walk, spend the entirety of their lives walking the trods to help redefine the trods as they are in how Navarre work and so on. And essentially, that would mean, I believe it was a third, might have been even more than that, of the highborn population would leave Highgard and spend the entirety of their lives walking the trods. Yeah, which, it was a significant... Um... It was a huge... And, and it basically meant that... Um, so one of the big debates was the fact that Highgard had been working to build a fourth army. Yeah. Like, that was a big thing. And, yeah, the big debate was if we lose one third 
or however many it was, <laughs> of our population, we will never be able to have a fourth army because mm. there literally is not a population there to, to run it. And, you know, there are all these other aspects of like, you know, we're going to lose this, we're going to lose that. And again, a third of a population, that's it's so huge, many yeah, people. Yeah, yeah. And, and yeah, and so it was this massive big debate in Highgard about should we do it? And ultimately it did get decided um, that we were going to take this on and we were going to have the Grey Pilgrims which is now a new archetype, which is quite cool. So you can literally come into play as a Grey Pilgrim, which I think is really cool. Um, and obviously that followed up um, the following season where another opportunity was made, where it said all the other nations put forward a certain amount of people to kind of join the Grey Pilgrims or help the Grey mm. Pilgrims on their journey. It would assist Highgard in doing that and it would be an even better chance to help try and stop the Valorn and it was just a wonderful sign of you know Highgard like I say being a martyr and giving up something for the belief in what the empire is uh, and then the other nations seeing that and going yeah we're gonna help with that yeah. I, I I think that's the thing. It's like it was this sort of wonderful coming together of all the nations. <laughs> yeah, I mean, uh, speaking from my perspective, as I say, I'm I'm kind of very aware of kind of the things that Highguard have done and the fit like the Grey Pilgrims and so on. I just personally not have too many um, role playing opportunities with um, people from Highguard, but I'm especially being a Navarre and especially obviously uh, with all of the recent sort of semi-successes we've had against the Valorn, which yeah. are directly resultant really of, of the opportunities like like the Grey Pilgrims that have been afforded us. Um it's it's had some significant game impact uh and, and is very meaningful. Yeah. And it, it's I think it's exciting that like dynamics like that can come into play from a player's uh, yeah. you know idea to bring this up here at the senate and then how that can then feed into wider decisions and it feeds out to the nation i assume there was obviously quite a bit of debate within the nation itself oh about yes, how that would yes. <laughs> oh uh so much debate um you know because um because highguard is also primarily a military nation like part of the brief mm. is that most highboard citizens have served have, have done military service yeah uh, at some point in their lives and obviously you'll see us in the battlefield and so on. So you had a very big uh, contingent of, uh, you know, the sort of more martial and military side of things kind of being mm. like, oh, but, you know, we need our fourth army. You know, we need it to fight the Druze and kick them out and so on. And obviously, considering when Empire started, we didn't have the territory of Rykos, obviously. Sure. <laughs> you know, Highgard have their own issues with the Druze and so on. Um, and yeah, and then you had uh, the sort of more priestly people kind of saying, well, you know, I completely understand that. Yes, we do need to fight the Druze, but we have agreed as a nation through, you know, the voting uh, of this principle that the Valorn is a bigger issue and therefore we need to address this big issue. And and I think that's what's what's so great about Highgard is it's about big decisions. It's about not necessarily moral decisions, but it's about virtuous decisions, you know. What is the virtuous choice to make and subsequently those big decisions coming out from it. Um 
yeah. <laughs> Sometimes a theme that, and again, uh, forgive all my ignorance here because I am I'm quite <laughs> external to the to the nation. But sometimes some of the influences I hear kind of come from that whole forty k style inquisitorial <laughs> kind of uh, thing, which I, I I think is is often sort of overplayed. But there is a touch of the if, if you like the arbiters of mm. um, sort of virtue, as you say, to a certain degree. Yeah. How does that operate in? play to your in your experience like how do you see sort of members of the nation sort of approach that aspect of the brief well um so there is actually a uh, an archetype which is the inquisitor um and their job is literally to um defend the way uh against anyone who's threatening it and that can be uh, people, it can be mortals, uh, it can be eternals. Um, you know, I, I, I'm a magister, which is uh, a highborn mage. Um, so I very much take the role of sort of dealing with eternals um, that, that I think are going hmm. to disrupt virtue and the way and all that kind of thing. And so, yeah, it's very much about. Uh, it, in the in the brief, they specifically say that high guard are not sort of zealots. Um, but there is a certain kind of assurance in our belief of we need to protect the way above all else. Like the way and the empire are intrinsically linked. Yeah, there's and kind so of like a. There is, yeah, there's almost, as I said, like an arbitrarial mm. sort of aspect to it. Like a, maybe not zealous in the sort of the way that you'd think of somebody being absolutely fanatical. Uh, but I mean, you can't in get way... fanatics in high guard. <laughs> of course, yes. No. <laughs> but, uh, but maybe like more commonly zealous in terms of the idea of upholding the virtues of the virtue as it as it is. Yeah, yeah. I mean, again, what's what's what I like about high guard is that everyone has different opinions on how uh, you know how virtue can be achieved or whether or not something is virtuous. You know, there was. A big debate in what happened recently with a couple of uh, highborn and highborn chapter uh, at the last event caused this big drama where they cursed uh, a league city for for reasons <laughs> uh, for bad from what my character would say are, is bad reasons but anyway um, and then that actually got debated in the high guard national assembly which is where all the priests of the nation get together and discuss whether an action is virtuous or not and although what the chapter did was bad in terms of how it got debated in the National Assembly, the highborn ultimately decided that their actions were done for a virtuous reason and therefore their actions were okay and they could not condemn it as a bad action in that sense. Uh, that is up for debate because sure. personally, <laughs> my, personally my character is not okay with that decision. <laughs> but, but, but the highborn National Assembly did come to that conclusion. So again, it's that sort of thing of... You, there's lots of sitting down and listening, considering actions. I mean, if you, I've been to a couple of um, highborn inquisitions, and they are intense. That they're, they're amazing role play opportunities, but they are intense. So um, <laughs> there was one um, where one of my chapter, uh, Hazel, uh, played by my friend Beth. Uh, she uh, ran off to Navarre for, I believe, a season or something. Mm. And when she came back to the chapter, she was put under Inquisition because it was like, well, you ran away from the chapter. 
that sh that shows a, a lack of loyalty. Uh, that shows a lack of courage because you didn't stay and stand up for the reason you ran away. Blah blah blah. Uh, and it, basically, we had this evening inquisition where we had a table and we had uh, the cardinal of loyalty, the inquisitor of pride, and then uh, one of the priests, one of the highborn priests of of loyalty, sort of running the inquisition facing off against Hazel, who was just sat on this little chair with a wow. scribe next to her. <laughs> right. And everyone, all the highborn had their hoods up, so you knew it was serious business. And there was literally um, an audience there watching this inquisition because it was so kind of intense and dark. And and yeah, it. I mean, it, and it, it's more about asking questions and finding the reason why someone did something. Mm. Um, because part of the High Guard brief is we believe that only actions can be either virtuous or unvirtuous. So it doesn't if if you think if you sort of are casually having a conversation with someone and you suggest, oh, we should do this and it's an unvirtuous thing, we don't really care because it's you're discussing it. It's 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 okay to chat about things and discuss stuff. It's only when you then do something and do yeah. an action that it can then be viewed as either virtuous or unvirtuous. And the idea is that you should try and do everything it, with a sense of virtue. That that should be your goal. Um, see, that creates some debates <laughs> in the in the field with other nations, but uh, that's where the fun comes from. So, um, in terms of how those differences between other nations, but also differences mm. between factions of the nation almost how are those two different types of uh, interaction generally conducted or are they very much handled in the same way so it's a little bit different um so uh, our, our groups in high guard are referred to uh, are, are called chapters uh so like a monastic chapter or something and when people join a chapter you don't join it out of family or or friendship you join it out of belief in what the chapter stands for so each chapter in high guard has a very specific set of beliefs so one might be we want to i don't know root out all the eternals and get rid of them uh, <laughs> another one might be uh, we want to destroy the druge utterly and completely and although there might be a crossover between them obviously sometimes doing things against the Druze might mean you have to do something with the Eternals, which then mm. causes friction between the two chapters. But again, what's sort of wonderful about the High Guard nation as a whole is, although we all disagree because we all have different focuses, whenever something comes and threatens a chapter from an outside perspective, High Guard basically are like, oh, no, 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 no. Like, only we're allowed to bully our siblings. <laughs> like you're not allowed to do it, and and they all band together. And and I think that's what's really lovely about Highguard is there's very much this unity between the chapters when we need to, and there's this sort of understanding of yes, I disagree with you, but I can understand why you you believe this thing, if that makes sense. Yeah. Um. So so part of the reason I've made my own new chapter for whenever the next event may be, is <laughs> um, because uh, in character, my uh, Luke, my character, decided that the Shatter Tower didn't match with the Shatter Towers anymore. Okay. Um, and so he decided to go on pilgrimage and he went around and asked all the other chapters in Highguard, you know, what do you stand for? What are your beliefs? 
your goals, etc. And ultimately he was like, hmm, there's none that actually fit with where I want to go or what I believe in. So it's like, well, hang on, I'll just make my own chapter, <laughs> which, which, okay. and then, and it, I mean, what's been lovely is uh, a couple of people have come and joined me and some people who I've never met before, I just met them at a player event and I did a speech where I was like, oh, this is what my chapter stands for. And then they came up to me and like, hey, looking for a new chapter to join and we like what you're about. Can we join your chapter, please? That's awesome. <laughs> so that was so cool. I was like, oh my God, that's amazing. <laughs> um, so yeah, outside of, of Highguard, um, it's it's very much kind of, like I say, it's, it's almost like a sort of big sibling kind of attitude, I would say, in a kind of, you sort of let people get on with things and they have their own beliefs and stuff, but you kind of sort of side eye it and go, hmm, are we stepping over the line here? Are we going into like dodgy, unvirtuous territory? <laughs> so um, uh, there's currently a whole big debate with um, the marchers and high guard in that high guard part of the thing that the uh, Grey Pilgrims do as well is while they go and walk the trods is try and root out heresy and, and all this sort of thing. And so they've been t showing up at the marches being like, hmm, we're not sure if the whole dead people turning into apple tree thing is entirely <laughs> fitting with the doctrines of faith. Let's deal with this situation. So, so again, that creates some wonderful mm. uh, opportunities of role play and conflict. And you know, the marchers try to convince us that it's not. Um, again, we had another one where um, Dawn announced. Um, well, you know, there was this whole big debate about you know, does glory and love in Dawn uh, kind of encourage virtue, or is it something separate and all this mm. sort of thing? Um, so yeah, it's it's. I mean, it sounds like I'm talking a lot about the religion and you don't actually have to know a lot about the religion for the High Guard brief. I mean, obviously, if you know the seven virtues, yes. you're pretty much solid. <laughs> um, but a large part of being Highborn is to have a certainty about what you believe mm -hmm. in terms of the religion. So, and, and, you know, you can question things, you can discuss things, and that's totally cool and okay. But whatever it is you believe, it's it's good to be sort of quite firm in that belief. Yeah, I think um, I think the way in itself is quite um, intelligently designed as a game mm. mechanic, if you like, where it, it, each of the virtues is um, debatable enough mm. that you can uh, you can have a, a very in depth conversation about, say, wisdom or pride, and. Yeah. Uh, both be right and yet wrong in each other's opinion at the same time uh, exactly. or, or, or vice versa right and it's it, it it leads to some very interesting kind of dynamics and i think like as a backdrop for the nation uh mm. the way it, it kind of sits there i think and it does sort of feel like a, a kind of a from the outside like a religious focused nation but I, i'm sure there are many many other draws and pulls within the nation as well as especially as uh sort of the uh, original founders of the empire and and, mm. and what that represents and and the whole kind of as you say like protectoring kind of aspect mm. that kind of flows through it yeah absolutely i mean one of our literally one of our archetypes are called guardians um we don't actually have a lot of them in the uh, in the uh nation at the moment uh 
but if people want to become a guardian in Highgard, <laughs> that would be cool. <laughs> um, but but yeah, they're, they're guardians and their job is literally as protectors, you know, they are guardians. Um, and again, I think that just says so much about Highgard in just the use of a name, you know? <laughs> There's also... Um... Highgard for me, and again, I, I can I can only speak sort of semi-removed, but there's this wonderful aesthetic to the nation and this kind mm. of presence to the nation. For example, um, you guys have the, I forget, you have to correct me on the right term for it, but there's like a, a walk that you do, a torchlit walk. Yeah, um, Day of the Dead. There. It's, it's really dramatic. <laughs> it's really mm. like visually uh, dramatic and and probably as one of the kind of festivals, if you like, that the different nations has, have one one of the most kind of um, intriguing and arresting to just sit and mm. watch. You know, if you, if you just happen to be sitting on a, on a bench or something and you look out and you can see a hundred more people walking with, with torches and, and all in, a, in procession, it, it really is quite a dramatic thing. Do you yeah, mind describing I, that uh, festival a little bit to, to everyone? Yeah, absolutely. So um, what it is, is... It's Day of the Dead, and so what it is, is it's a procession where we walk in remembrance of uh, the Fallen, basically. And that isn't just the Fallen of Igard and our, and our chapters, it's also of um, all citizens. Yeah, um, I mean, so you're, actually... you're welcome to join it, aren't, aren't you? Like, I yeah, mean, I've been, I've been asked to, you know, if I would like to walk with the procession for a while, and mm. I have done for, for a little bit. And it's it's interesting to sort of, you know, and especially when you've lost somebody from been play, it's quite quite an interesting thing to sort of join as part of, and, and it's, it has mm. a lot of character to it for sure. Yeah. So what what is what's so lovely about it? So it happens at dusk. So it starts just as the light is going down. Obviously, everyone's lighting all their torches, and then we will walk um, in silence save for uh, the ringing of bells, maybe a, a banging of a drum. And we will walk with these torches through every camp in, in Anvil. And everyone's got their hoods up, so you know it's serious business. <laughs> um, and there's incense. And I've, I've actually spoken to a couple of new players who have done Day of the Dead as their first event. And each time they say, that was quite literally a religious experience. <laughs> you know, the 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 atmosphere and the mm. emotion was so compelling. And what I love about it is you walk in silence through all these camps. And at the same time, uh, the League are having their um, Day of the Reaper festival. Yes, so it's course, all sort yeah. of jolly and, and partying, but in, in their tent. And then suddenly, as soon as we hit League, like when we're walking through the League camp, everything stops. Like it goes silent and you get just this massive feeling of reverence and and just atmosphere um you know you walk by and you see people sort of taking their hats off and kind of bowing um i've heard parents saying to their children oh this is day of the dead this is they're in remembrance um we've walked through the wintermark camp where there have been winter markers uh calling out the names of their dead as we walk by um it, I, I, it gives me sort of chills, you know, it's, yeah, no. it's so atmospheric and I would, you know, anyone who who wishes to do, um, to, to experience like real kind of, I, I don't know, real sense of immersion, I yeah. would recommend uh, 
taking a look at Day of the Dead, um, which will be happening at the next event, yes. which is exciting. Yeah, that, that, <laughs> it, it really is a very dramatic thing. And I think it's actually perfectly mm. suited to the nation. I mean, it could easily have mm. been something like a, a festival that existed in another nation, but tied mm. in with the aesthetic of um, Highgard, I think it really blends perfectly between mm. the two. And talking more broadly about the aesthetic of the nation, how would you roughly describe that? Um, I would say it's... So the brief specifically says, you know, Gondor from Lord of the Rings. Um, but I would also say it's got some Knights Templar thrown in, you know, with the fur coats and so on, um, and a little bit of Byzantium. Mm. But then again, there's also, like like you said earlier, that sort of 40k element. Mm. Um there's there's very it, it's it's definitely i would say the most kind of fantasy based of nations in the sense that you can't pinpoint a specific uh like historical period it's meant to be um mm. you know i would also say maybe a bit of king's landing from game of thrones in there as well um so it's very much about uh yeah, this kind of uh everything's got like a religious quality to it mm. um so, you know, there's bells everywhere because bells are part of our hearth magic. Um, so the idea is that when you ring a bell or you hear like wind chimes ring, you can hear the voices of the dead. Mm. And it's not so much as like they're whispering to you. It's more like you can sort of feel their presence and you sort of feel inspired by like their words or, you know, some comfort they might have given. Um, but also in terms of hearth magic, you can ring them at um, Wraith. And the race, the like, ah, oh, no. <laughs> That's really um, cool. It's really cool. And um, there was a very funny uh, mini story where we were on a skirmish once and there were some wraiths and we started ringing our bells and the wraiths were like, ah. And then there were a bunch of winter markers there going, oh, they're scared of bells. And they started ringing their bells. And the wraiths were like, nah, it doesn't work with you, mate. <laughs> went, went after the winter markers. <laughs> um, and again, like we've got things like the wash bowls because obviously cleanliness is a big deal in high guards. Yeah, um, do you mind describing yeah. that the, the hand washing is... Uh, it's one of those kind of stereotypes that I think most mm. nations know about with regards to Highgard. Do you mind describing like where that fits into the brief and how that kind of comes about? Yeah, so um, I can't go too much in depth because part of it is uh, has been discovered through historical research as mm -hmm. to why we started doing that. Um, but it is on the wiki if people look hard enough. <laughs> um, the sort of major point is we believe in cleanliness as a kind of purity. Um, you know, when you go into a ritual, you cleanse the circle. Um, I suppose it almost has like a holy water kind of quality to it. Mm -hmm. um, you wash your hands as, as a sort of sign of respect, as a sign of dignity to say that, you know, I am, you know, I am giving all of myself over to it and therefore I'm washing myself clean to deal with this situation so i am sort of you know i'm pure i've i've got rid of the sort of bad impurities sure. <laughs> that of that of that of sort of like and, and it's it's quite fun when you go to um other nations uh who might not have wash bowls because you can always show up and be like you know when you turn up at a camp and be like excuse me has anyone got a wash bowl and kind of get looked at a bit weird <laughs> <laughs> um but that you can also do like gestures so you can sort of gesture that you're like washing yourself and it's mm -hmm. kind of a way of saying like uh 
uh, I'm done with this situation. I'm done with this conversation. I'm done with you because I'm washing myself of you. Oh, that's interesting. <laughs> so, so there's really nice little details that you can use in that. Um, yeah. And and again, there was, I believe it was during the Rykos campaign, we had a highborn army fighting with alongside a Navarre army. And although both got injured kind of equally badly, I believe the Navarre ended up having more casualties uh, just because Highguard's level of cleanliness was sort of so extreme. They actually, you know, it was sort of like... Interesting, yeah. We were, we were doing pandemic levels of cleanliness. Mm. There wasn't a pandemic, you know? It was yeah, yeah, that sure. kind of thing. And yeah, so, so it's a wonderful kind of opportunity to just have really nice little moments of role play and there's really sweet moments where yeah you do turn up at another nation's camp and they're like oh they're highborn and quickly run over with a, a bowl mm. of water and it's just those sort of nice little moments that kind of really make it feel alive and like you're part of you know a real uh, a real nation yeah <laughs> i think sometimes as well there's this um because there is the, the, the the, the brief as described can sound quite um, austere, it, it, and, mm. uh, but there's actually uh, quite a de- degree of playfulness and levity from what <laughs> I've picked up from the nation as well. That like uh, it, you can also do it, not maybe tongue in cheek, but you can do it with a little bit of kind of fun as well. It doesn't have to be mm. like strictly po faced all the time. Um, no, no, not at all. <laughs> um, I, I think that's actually another thing that I like about Highguard is people have this sort of assumption that we're serious business all the time. And no, that is that is not the case at all. Um, you know, we, we very much are happy to have fun. And, you know, so again, another small part of the brief is we we don't like games of chance because we're very into competition. Mm-hmm. Um, and games of chance essentially there's no skill in it because it's just like well it's whether you have dumb luck or whatever mm-hmm. whereas games of skill you know means you actually need to put some thought into it um, so it's always quite fun going over to the um, the marchers when they're doing their their summer fair and you know they've got the tombola or whatever <laughs> and um, we, we sort of go hmm this is a game of chance I do not approve and Really, we don't care, but it's just so, quite fun to go over and sort of be like, oh, don't like this. <laughs> but then maybe um, you'll do something like apple bobbing, which is <laughs> some exactly. sort of skill associated with it. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> throwing, what's it? Throwing things at the coconut shy or yeah, whatever. Yeah, yeah. Whatever. All sorts of stuff like that, you know. Um, I mean, another fun thing, um, th- and this has developed purely in play, um, and I, I really like it, is the idea of high guard pillow books. Um, <laughs> so we, it kind of came about the concept that, you know, when you're, when you're a teenager, you're very much like, oh, I'm going to rebel and I don't know, fancy this person that my parents disapprove of, mm. or, you know, it's that kind of like teenage rebellion idea. So the, so the sort of concept is that when you're a young highborn, you might have like an interest in, you know when your parents might disapprove of you being with a lineage, you might be like, well, I'm going to date a lineage boy or whatever. Sure. And, 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 and so there's this whole idea of high guard pillow books, which is like sold under the table, slightly black market, raunchy stories right, that sure, are like, sure. you know, <laughs> like slightly unvirtuous, maybe Pop just over a bit to the, naughty. Uh, Anvil library and find something. And yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. It, it's very much like done under the table kind of you leave with it in a brown paper bag kind of thing. <laughs> so, and, and again, that's just developed in play as a fun little thing of like, 
yeah, you know. I really like little quirks like that, like things that have mm. come out through, um, you know, that have evolved over time as like um, mm. reactions to different briefs and kind of little playful pokes and nods and things. I quite like stuff like that that's obviously popped up and, and become a thing, you know. So I find yeah, it makes like the world feel exactly. It, it makes the world so feel more alive. real. Yeah, yeah, totally. yeah, yeah. I mean, I'm just thinking. Um, the other thing is like a lot of. Um, so one thing I've come across a lot is um, people who are new to Empire or perhaps or new to Anvil or whatever. Um, they hear that we chop horns off lineage and all sorts of things like that. And so if they're playing a lineage character. They might go whole events where they never show up at the High Guard camp mm. because there's this sort of belief that if they do, we're literally going to tackle them to the floor and cut their their horns off, and then mm. they'll be like, "Oh, but I wanted to play a changeling," <laughs> you know. So we do not do that. That is absolutely nothing we do. But if we get the sense that someone's up for a laugh, we might sort of like play into it a bit. Yeah. Um, but more as a joke, as a kind, than a kind of. You know, again, the amount of times people have come up and been like, oh, like, you're you're going to come and chop my horns off. And we're like, oh, if you like, if you want us to, we can. <laughs> but And, and I, again, it's that sort of like gentle playfulness. And I think I think people always get slightly surprised when they're not expecting it. Yeah. <laughs> it's in, in, it's probably worth going over, actually, the relationship mm. between the lineage and uh, high yeah. guard in the brief. How does that, uh, how does that interplay uh, function both in the brief and in play? In, in your experience, obviously, you've, you've described a little bit of it in play, but yeah. Um, so basically, our high guard's belief is that um, if you are lineage, the reason you have become lineage is either you or someone in your ancestry has had their soul. Uh, Come tainted essentially by magic from the realms so that's why you become a marrow or that's why you become a briar because of spring magic or whatever um and obviously as a nation that's very focused on purification um and cleanliness uh, this is like a big bad because mm. of the one thing you want to keep pure and unaffected is the soul because the soul is what goes through the labyrinth and will eventually ascend a paragon or exemplar or whatever mm -hmm. and so we don't you know there might be some na some chapters that hate lineage for this because it's like oh improv blah 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 but generally the sort of feeling is more a sense of this is an affliction that someone has been afflicted with and therefore needs to be helped and i mean there definitely is a sort of uh, hierarchy in how people treat lineage and, and non-lineage like that is built into the brief yeah um, and, and i think that sort of uh, that element of um uh, of offense is is part mm. of it right like it, it is yeah it's it's supposed to be a needle in the game right that is is there yeah i mean i uh so i personally when i interact i will as as sort of my way of doing it i I would refer to humans and lineage, and mm. then you always, and then I, and I, I've noticed recently um, a lot, of, especially from other nations, people will correct me and be like, "You mean humans?" And I'll be like, "Yes, humans and lineage." So it's almost this concept that lineage are separate from mm. humans, um, and it's that sort of thing where it just makes you kind of wince a little bit inside when, yeah, like, yeah, uh, but but that sort of discomfort is 
literally built into the brief it's meant to be there um and again it's it's just very interesting how that comes out in play because yeah we do have a lot of lineage characters in high guard and i think yeah. part of that is people want to play that game people want to have that sort of sense of i'm going to kind of prove myself and you know kind of that slight ostracization from from the nation but not um but then you get other people who are like no i'm gonna go full-on sort of indoctrinated into the high guard belief mm. uh, so part of the reason like the whole idea of cutting off horns and stuff is a thing is it is seen as a lineage uh person rejecting their lineage and sort of saying i'm not going to you know although i may be a briar i'm going to do my utmost to fight against the sort of briar element of my mm. behavior and it's very much that kind of idea um it's all about kind of you know are you doing this because you believe this is the most virtuous thing to do or are you doing it because what your lineage can do is make you make these decisions you know yeah. um so again it ties back into that whole idea of are you doing it for virtuous reasons or not it's a powerful so, part you know, of the game to play around and uh, yeah. and and in terms of character concepts and uh, mm. role playing opportunities and obviously it has to be dealt with a certain degree of sensitivity yeah. but it's 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 one of those aspects of play i mean again if you have something like the imperial orcs um mm. that experience um and and the experience of, of choosing to be a lineage and what that means and the types of interactions you can have and the opportunities that can arise in terms of role playing it's an interesting part of the game for sure mm. i mean how does um highguard interact with an with uh, the Imperial Orcs, for example, is there a, a different kind of relationship there to sort of how lineage are handled? Yeah, or? so the Orcs are kind of more treated as uh, most like, I suppose, a separate thing. Mm. <laughs> and and it's kind of like, you know, we want to, we're, you know, we're glad that they follow the way, we're glad they follow virtue, because ultimately we want everyone to follow the way and everyone to follow virtue. Um, but it's also the sense of, are they... I guess it's almost like described as like, are they almost like sleeper agents? Mm. <laughs> you know, there's there's this sort of undercurrent of, you know, we will trust you and we will like treat you like allies and you know you're part of the empire. But there's always that sort of slight niggle in the background, kind of going like, mm, but do I fully trust you? And also again, because uh Rykos did get taken over by the Druze. Mm. Um, you know, you still get a lot of because that happened within recent memory. Um, so you still get a lot of people who play characters who are genuinely afraid of the orcs mm. because it's like, yeah, you might be an imperial orc. I also saw an army of Druze come and slaughter my whole chapter mm. and, you know, inflict horrible, horrible things upon my nation. How do I know you're not one day going to turn around and do that as well? So it's 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 again it, it's very much seen as a separate thing. Whereas the lineage, it's like you know you poor things, you've got this affliction, and we're going to help you. With the orcs, it's like you're allies, and we will work with you, but we're always ever so slightly suspicious. Right. <laughs> <laughs> so in terms of the... we're, we're good we're good people, I swear. <laughs> no, no, honestly. I think like it's a, it's a, it's a really interesting part of the brief, and I think like the nation as a whole. It does have this kind of, from the outside, 
think of the right words really, but it has this kind of like uh, fret to it, this kind of this edge to it, which is an interesting aspect to play around. But when, as I say, you're actually also engaged, then of course, you're, again, you're dealing with uh, human beings playing these roles, and it's mm. there's lots of opportunities for fun and levity, and mm. to explore all sorts of different aspects of play, and, and obviously. It does. It's not all serious all the time, or you know. Mm. And it's um, as I said, like the 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 benefits and the especially for me, I've found like the just the aesthetic and the 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 fact that Highguard as a thing exists in the Empire, even mm. if my interaction with it is fairly limited at this point in time. Like the the fact that there's the the history and everything else that ties in and flows through the nation and then more broadly into what that means for the empire i think there is a, a presence to the high guard that is kind mm. of it teases its way into a lot of different aspects of play and i, I felt that as, as a player and it's it's definitely an interesting nation to mm. see and i'm sure must be a really interesting nation to play in yeah term- and it, I, I was just gonna say that um in terms of the whole kind of lineage attitude thing and the, the orc attitude is there are obviously players who are just like i don't want to take part in that side of the brief mm. and so they just don't and totally cool and fine and and i and it's you know no one is going to purposefully go up, out there and try and upset someone like that mm. genuinely isn't isn't the case i think and, that's and a really important quite... thing to highlight as well that like yeah that, that yeah. is not like the, the the brief is not a license to be an asshole. It, yeah. it, and, and people don't play it that way typically and, no. and treat everyone generously in terms of uh, the intention of play and obviously being aware of who you're interacting with and who you're role playing with and, and completely i mean um i i would say it's done in like an it's not like an overt kind of we're gonna beat you up because your lineage kind of thing it's it's much more kind of um subtle and i'd say almost like a little bit insidious but like again it's very much how people want to play it and if people are not comfortable with it people people will sort of test the waters um and like if if people respond to it then then the role play will continue and if people don't it's like cool okay this isn't okay with you won't 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 sort of play this up um i mean i've had instances where people have come to me um because i'm the archmage of summer so i do summer shenanigans uh i've had people come up to me be like hi i want to become a changeling and I'm sort of stood there like, yeah, no, <laughs> you know, why would you, why? And I literally have asked them, you know, why would you want to corrupt your soul that way? <laughs> and, and you know, they kind of see, uh, get surprised that that's my response. Um, so it, it's that sort of fun. You can sort of play with it in that respect. It's that kind of bringing that other side to the aspect of it. You know, Dawn, they love their changelings. And in Highgard, we're a bit like, mm, yeah, no, <laughs> nope. <laughs> yeah. Um, and and yeah, I think that's what's what's good about it is you get those little moments that come up, which again, it's not a horrible thing, you know. I w- if someone really really wants to corrupt their soul, I will do my utmost to convince them otherwise. But ultimately, I'm not going to stop their game <laughs> if that's what they want to do, you know. <laughs> sure. It, as I say, it's such an interest. It's not an element of play that I've really had a lot of interaction with, but the fact that it exists and that there are players who explore it and the opportunities I imagine that must afford and mm. dealt with sensitively i think it's definitely an interesting part of play and it is obviously uh it, it is an element and and within empire uh at the game itself that i think mm. is 
is there for exploring if you if you want to and i think it's 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 definitely an intriguing part of the game uh and, and that's sort of more again that sort of links into the relationship of orcs and obviously different nations have have even like the idea and you don't have to take it in terms of um uh, interactions with lineage or orcs or anything like that. it could just be relationships between different nations and the idea of like yeah um some nations might have uh, a slightly kind of derogatory kind of preset kind of level of uh feeling towards maybe another nation they have those sort of stereotypes that are kind of often cast on different nations in the real world that then kind of feed in yeah. oh you know so and so is the people from this nation into the into this thing la di da di da kind of stuff that can kind of mm. seep into things and it's kind of like it those kind of uh aspects of play are definitely interesting elements that are kind of exist and i think they're kind of built into a certain degree uh within the kind of broader context of that the empire is built up out of different peoples coming together yeah. to achieve common goals hopefully uh, <laughs> not all the time <laughs> but like and, and i think that's the the fact that it it largely functions and that there is this spirit of yeah. cooperation i think also speaks very highly and that there are things that different uh people who who you would imagine would naturally maybe not uh, uh have similar uh goals can be drawn together to achieve something uh that is important to the empire as a whole and for example yeah. I mean, the, the, the gray pilgrims being a, a good example of how mm. a, a nation uh like high guard can do something that which is very self-sacrificing that ultimately ends up really assisting another nation uh, and all mm. of these different aspects of play that can kind of come out through uh, exploring the different national identities i think it's and that's one of the reasons we've done this series of going around and looking at the different yeah. nations is because they're all so different and and they're all yeah. kind of angled uh the, the, the sort of the um the pointy bits of their briefs are all pointed in different directions and sometimes those yes. point at <laughs> other nations uh, and sort of a natural challenges to those other nations you know like mm. why does uh you know what does it mean to play an imperial orc and and not actually enter the labyrinth for example what does it mean mm. to uh be a high guard and have this kind of religious undertone and so on you know these different aspects of national identity are, are interesting to explore and how they kind of bubble to the surface and then express themselves through the players as the as the nodes that sort of sprinkle out into the world and and just yeah. the, the plethora of as of aesthetics i mean that's one of the things that i really enjoy just all, all kind of like interpersonal things aside just the visual color that comes from all mm. of these different nations interacting it's you know if we were just one homogenous blob that all had like the same <laughs> fashion for example it would be a shame right because there's something very special about being able to look out and say oh look it, it, it is you know um day of the dead and you can see the procession yeah. of high guard uh walking that is a striking thing to mm. look at uh, I mean, I don't know how you feel about that, but like the 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 empire as a whole and the way it's made up as a game and as as nations uh, nation briefs. Do you have any thoughts on how you feel? I mean, yeah, no, I I completely agree. I absolutely love it, and for me, it is that uh, sort of differences between the nations that make it feel real and then it also makes it feel that much more significant when big events like the Grey Pilgrims happen where everyone comes together to achieve like an ultimate goal like it's like yeah we managed to like 
put all our differences aside and actually like do this big awesome thing hmm. and and i think that's really cool like we um you know in the brass coast um black is seen as you know color of death and a bad bad omen they don't wear black for that reason most of high guard wear black sure. so, so you know you get a lot of uh, freeborn who come over and stop you can see them kind of almost squirming just by being in our presence because everyone's wearing black um and then and, when it's hot it's, weather you, they're kind of like oh please we're not you guys yeah I, there's a reason i have gone for no black in my new color scheme for my stamps. i was like i'm done with sweltering in the heat but, but again it's it's those little moments yeah um, where again, it really feels like a real place where mm. everyone's like, again, like High Guards, one of High Guards' half magics, um, and part of our brief is uh, the raising of hoods and cowls and things. Mm. And what's so good about that is everyone wears hoods in, in the Empire, pretty much everyone. Everyone who's got a cloak has got a hood, especially when yeah. it's raining. <laughs> <laughs> but when you get like a highborn who suddenly puts their hood up, it's almost like the atmosphere in the room changes, like the temperature drops, and you get this sort of feeling of, oh, something something serious is happening. See, I, I was actually um, not because... aware of that as a thing. Is that <clears throat> actually part of the brief, that if you put your hood up yes. as a high guard, you're saying this is serious? Is that basically the, the undertone that's kind of taking place there? Yeah. yeah, so basically when a highborn puts a hood up or covers their face with a veil or something, mm. um, so... It's essentially saying, I am not me. I am representing virtue. I am representing the essence of virtue. And it's sort of almost an opportunity as a highborn to put your personality aside and almost become more severe and take something much more seriously. Um, Also mechanically, it also means that if you're discussing things with magical beings like Mm. eternals and stuff uh they can't actually recognize you they just see a sort of highborn figure but they don't know who you are which is a nice little touch but yeah so you get these so so you know i'll be in a conversation with someone and suddenly it goes onto quite like it goes onto a topic of virtue or something quite serious and i will just suddenly lift my hood up and Again, you can kind of see the other person kind of going, oh, okay. And it's my sort of, it, it, well, it's not just mine. It's, it's Highgard's sign of sort of saying, right, this is me putting aside my own personal opinions. Mm. And this is me going to the core of the matter, which ultimately is, is this virtuous or what the virtuous subject of this matter is. Yeah. <laughs> so in terms of kit, then, like, uh, obviously a, a hood is... is and anything that kind of can offer you protection from the rain is big and clever anyway but in terms of of high guard brief it it, it's a fairly core thing yeah yeah whenever someone uh so for example if someone pops up on the high guard uh facebook page with their new kit the Mm. the first thing that's always said is have you got a hood Mm, (laughs) um so so it's either a hood or or a veil or like say just something that can cover your face right um and I mean, you're going to notice this everywhere now. So you sure. see a bunch of highborn about putting their hoods up, and then suddenly it, it is like there's this sort of weird eeriness about it. No, and... I really dig that. Just you telling me that makes me excited to sort of see that as a yeah. visual cue. 
uh, yeah. when I get next get into play because I think that's a really exciting concept. Just those simple little things that exist, and there's other sort of examples of it in in different nations. But when you're kind of aware of these things, often they're quite mm. exciting things to sort of pick up on. Um, you know, it's like the the equivalent, obviously, that uh, a Nurazeni won't obviously uh, physically touch you or yeah. something like that. Yeah. These these little little uh, aspects of play are actually quite interesting work workarounds and ways of kind of having um these kind of subtle subliminal messages that you can kind of put forward mm. i really like it i think it's really kind of clever design in terms of like uh achieving the high guard aesthetic if do you have any tips for like new players coming in like how you can i guess a achieve it on a relative budget and then b how you would maybe then look at, a, a, at advancing that sort of base level kit do you have any tips you can offer people with regards to that I mean, obviously, a hood or a veil, <laughs> given the current conversation. Sure. But um, to be honest, if you're doing a really basic high guard kit, um, one of the sort of go-to things is, um, you know, shirt, trousers, and a tabard. Um, mm. What if you don't have a group that you're joining? Like a, a lot of people who show up in high guard, sort of say, "Hey, can I join a chapter?" Um, and we usually say it's better to join a chapter in play because it goes back to that whole thing of, you know, finding a chapter that has the belief that your character matches with. Um, And also it gives you the opportunity to go around and meet people, which is, you know, it's always, I think wise to actually have an opportunity to speak with the players uh, at an Mm. event and have an opportunity to see if just you as on interpersonal relationships, if if they're a good fit for, where you want yeah, to be. Yeah, totally. And and so what most people say is start with the basic colors of black and white. Mm-hmm. Um, and then when you join a chapter, you can then start to incorporate the colors of that particular chapter. Um, but basically, you're going to be safe if you show up in black and white. Sure. <laughs> black and white surcoat, um, you know, black trousers, top, hood, and you're good to go. Like really basic kit. Okay. That, that's all you need at the very basic level. And, and, and we're very good at sharing armor and weapons and stuff. So you don't even need to show up necessarily with gear because we have a lot of spare gear to share out. <laughs> what What are the kind of the natural steps for advancing uh, that look as you kind of go on? Where do you normally look to to sort of like uh, if you were making sort of your, your first upgrades, if, as it were, from that initial starting kit? Where do you normally look to? I would always say a cassock. Um, so essentially like a priest robe, okay. um, because even if you're not playing a priest character, which I'm not playing a priest character, the cassock is sort of like a quintessential high guard look. Um, and you can always use it in a, but, a kind of layering way as well, I suppose. Oh, totally, totally. Um, I mean, basically, we you can get away with a very basic high guard kit because ultimately it's all about sort of very sort of severe lines mm. uh, you know, um, a little bit of decoration, but not going kind of overboard. And the big thing about Highguard is we're all about uniformity and we're big into our branding as well. So, <laughs> you know, chapter chapter logos everywhere. Yeah. <laughs> um, but the idea is that if no matter where you, like no matter where you go in Anvil, someone spots you and goes, that person is from Highguard and they're from this chapter. Right. Um, that is the idea. So even if it is just an upgraded tabard with a massive, logo of your chapter on it Mm -hmm. that's good enough um then you can go into jewelry and things um so circlets in high guard denote uh like 
high status. So if you see people wearing a circlet, they're mm. probably they've probably got like an imperial position or they're uh, an exarch or something, which is the name of uh, the leaders of a chapter. But yeah, it, it's not the most blingy of nations. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But um, it's all very kind of severe and um, sort of quite, again, it's got that kind of austere kind of look to it. Um, but it's all like good quality, good quality jewellery. Yeah, and um, uh, it's it's a chance to sort of like, how do I describe it? it it's kind of like... <laughs> Like Cersei in yes. Game of Thrones in the yeah. in the later seasons yeah. when she's wearing like the really dark severe clothes, very high guard look, very very high guard. <laughs> so, because obviously you've just recently gone through the process of designing your new mm. chapter, were there uh, considerations that you made when you were thinking about how you wanted to design the aesthetic of of that? Mm. Were, there, were there kind of certain sort of it's probably also worth saying, uh, Scarlett, that you actually do a fair bit of uh, kit design and construction yourself. Yes. <laughs> um, in, in fact, you, you take a lot of commissions in. So you, this mm. is a, a realm that you're very, very, very skilled at. <laughs> so it's probably worth uh, sort of putting that out to, to, to people as well. So they're, they're yeah, aware yeah. Uh, that you're coming from. Yeah. Uh, Commission me, please. <laughs> yeah, no, like, really, like fabulous work. I've, I mean, some of the things you've shown oh, me you. are amazing, like, like mind blowing. Um, but like, oh. yeah, when you were designing your own uh, chapter, were there sort of things that you wanted to like look into when you were kind of thinking about the aesthetic and how you wanted to maybe uh, create that? Yeah, yeah. Um, so uh, my previous chapter was the Shattered Tower, and mm. we went very much for a sort of grim, dark, forty k kind yeah. of aesthetic. I think Shattered Tower um, are particularly known for that kind of look, yeah. and that they are very <laughs> recognisable as a result of that. Mm. It is a very strong. Uh, yeah, strong no, it really works. Sure really really works and um and so i very much wanted to kind of you know because my character had like left because mm. it's like you know my my beliefs don't match up anymore i want to kind of do something different mm. i very much wanted to be distinctly different mm -hmm. so while so while the shutter had their grim dark look uh i very much wanted to go with a more um uh i guess kind of orthodox religious look okay. so i looked at sort of um catholicism you know sort of like priest robes and catholicism uh very hard into the leaning very hard into the byzantine kind of holy sure. roman empire kind of aspect again sort of like russian orthodoxy yeah because the jewelry kind of in that kind of um it is one of the things that often leaps out at me from mm -hmm. that sort of you know that the kind of the large sort of slightly dulled um gemstones things like garnet and stuff uh, like that are, are often very striking mm, mm. um and yeah i just i just very so so my color scheme uh for the new chapter is white and gold like okay. say to very much lean into that sort of holy uh holy mm -hmm, roman mm -hmm. kind of aspect of it um because I wanted to really focus on that kind of, you know, we represent virtue and I wanted that sort of subliminal essence of religion and that kind of, you connect those colours together with a sort of religious quality sure. to it. Um, so yeah, that's very much um, my kind of look. I, like I say, I wanted that sort of Byzantine edge to it as well. So I would say because we've got the gold, we're slightly more blingy than most of <laughs> the rest of Highguard. And it's a fun opportunity in terms of costume creation, right? To sort of yeah. have a bit more bling and, and, and sort of, yeah, for sure. Uh, yeah, I, I mean, uh, Highguard Brief is very much about, like, if you are going to have, like, bling, it's all around sort of, like, the edges, like, mm -hmm. sort of, like, trimmings and on the hems and stuff like that. So 
it's sort of like you have a very plain kind of cassock, for example, mm. and then you have some bling on the cuffs or something, and that will look really cool. Um, so yeah, it's very much that kind of aspect. Also, put an edge of um, militarism in it. So part of my my personal gear now involves wearing a gorget at all times, just right. to have that again military kind of aesthetic in it. And yeah, so our chapter logo, it's sort of a uh, it's it's meant to look like a compass mm-hmm. uh, because Highguard originated from the navigators who sailed across the sea, yes. um, and it's a compass with the labyrinth in the middle okay. as a sort of sign of saying, you know, we're going to find the way and we're going to find the right path to the way. So again, it's all this sort of lots of elements drawn mm, from drawn various together, yeah. aspects. Yeah, that's yeah. Cool. That's really cool. And it's probably worth saying. And actually... no skulls. <laughs> yeah, I, the... I specifically said no skulls for the chapter because I'm bored of skulls. <laughs> <laughs> so, in terms, because it, it's worth saying, like, those logos, like a uh, Shatter Tower again mm. kind of comes into my mind, but like, it's almost like heraldry, right? There is quite, yeah. spoke of it before, this idea of having this identity that people mm. from the same chapter have. Uh, and and how that logo is replicated and and as you say is like branding that kind of uh, feeds through the whole chapter mm. in terms of how you kind of go around displaying that are you kind of having that on a tabard or something like that at the moment are you thinking about other ways of kind of uh, displaying I mean kind logo? of anywhere and everywhere yeah. can count <laughs> um, personally I quite like going for small little logos so mm-hmm. like something on uh, the shoulder uh, or the upper arm uh, maybe just one over the heart on the chest nice. um just, just little details here and there. Maybe a necklace with the logo on it. Um, like I say, little things is my personal favourite. Um, but again, like you know, you get people like uh, like Jason's Legacy who are definitely trying to up the branding game, and they've got it on like their tankards and stuff. <laughs> you know, that, they're walking around with their tankards on their belts, and then you've got the Jason's Legacy logo. So again, it's it, it, it very again the whole sort of branding thing. It's actually part of the brief in the sense of the whole uniformity yes. thing you know being really proud of like you choose to join a chapter for a reason like you don't just sort of fall into it mm-hmm. um and it's very much sort of you've got to make the personal choice mm. and, and you wear it with pride kind of completely aspects. completely yeah. um so yeah it's it's it, and what's nice as well is you very quickly um and i think this have uh, this is quite good for other nations as well is you can very quickly identify where someone is from and mm. everyone's got sort of like shortened chapter names so the shattered tower is now referred to as the tower and everyone knows who that is right, you've yeah. got the country of the silver skulls which are the silver skulls um felix is what you know it's the what um and again you can if people come over being like hey i'm looking for felix's what you go look for the cross keys Mm. And that's all you need to say. And, sure. you know, people be a bit like, what do you mean? And then as soon as they see someone with a massive set of cross keys on them, they're like, oh, OK, I, I see what you mean. That's, really, okay. yeah, that's very true, actually, because often one of the one of the hardest things in play. And uh, those of you who've been to, I'm sure, any festival art can identify with this, <laughs> is this idea of that you've been given a name and you've been told a nation. But that doesn't mean that you're necessarily going to find the person any kind of swift time. 
and actually mm-hmm. having those visual cues i can imagine must be actually really logistically uh, really helpful <laughs> like really, really helpful, helpful. <laughs> it's like often you can stumble into the wrong nation and not you almost entirely be aware and then when you are in the nation you're asking people and they're like what I, you know what i don't entirely know and then uh, it, 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 and then from there you can kind of go about five six conversations deep before you even get a pointer as to where you're supposed to go yeah and and i I, again like if if at least you have a chapter name like again like felix's watch i'm Mm. looking for someone from felix's watch and you go into high guard going the people will at least be able if, if they don't know the person they'll at least be able to direct you to that particular chapter so at least you're like in the right place <laughs> <laughs> um and and yeah it's it's good because then you get other instances where you know people be like oh well what were they wearing oh well they mm. were wearing green and black so oh they're probably from the shatter tower sure. then <laughs> yeah so i'm going to put you in the role of a the tourist board if you'd like for <laughs> and uh just leaning into this a little bit if i was somebody who was as an outsider like from another nation mm-hmm. interested in exploring some of the sights and sounds and experiences of high guard mm-hmm. are there specific things or places or types of interaction that i should seek out or things that you think would would be interesting elements of play for me to explore I would very much take you to the Highguard Chapel as a starting point. Um, so the Highguard Chapel is a uh, little Burgundian tent that we hire from um, PD. And basically all of Highguard puts some money into a pot uh, to hire it out. Wow. And it's literally a community tent. Like, so you don't, no one um, sleeps in it or anything. Mm. Uh, it's just a Burgundian that's done up like a chapel so we have an altar we have these beautiful uh hangings that hang from the ceiling i believe they're silk painted um which represent all the virtues i mean they're amazing it's done like i've not seen this i'm already excited it's so good there's incense there um there's wind chimes so you get that wonderful like background bells ringing and um there's the book of the dead which is a recent thing that um that someone in uh, Highguard created. And it's basically this massive book. It's like a sort of iron bound book. And it's where the names of the fallen get written. And so during Day of the Dead, this book comes out from its sort of plinth in the chapel. And then the names get read uh, from the book. Um, And you just go in there and you do get just this, it's, you know, when you sort of walk into a a Mm. church and you get that sort of weird tingly feeling Mm. of just like, this is like, you know, even if you're not religious, you feel this sort of sense of like, you know, the grandeur of the, the building aura. and the structure yeah, the and the ceremony that's taken place. It, Completely. Yeah. And and you get that in this little Burgundian tent in mm. a field in England. And it, it's really strange. And it's it's where people go to contemplate stuff. It's where people go to have serious discussions about virtue. Um if people are terminal and are bleeding out and there's nothing that can be done to save them, sometimes they will get taken to the chapel to sort of have their last rites given. Um, it's it's a very wonderful sort of core point of, of the nation. Um, and I don't think a lot of people outside of Highgard know about it. But if you want to kind of get a sense of Highgard, number one place I would say start off is in the chapel, just as a beginning point. <laughs> Yeah, no, that, that's, uh, I, as I say, I completely had no idea that that was a thing, and I'm very <laughs> excited about it. And, and, <laughs> I mean, uh, yeah, that sounds incredible. In terms of um, you personally, have you kind of got 
other um, like nations that you're interested in sort of exploring more or do you have like a uh, if the worst should happen like another kind of character in your back pocket that you kind of or other nations that you'd be interested in joining in in the future or things like that I mean you spoke about the league earlier um so you know I love Highguard so much and I think I'm really gonna miss it as and when I am no longer playing Luke Mm. um think i will probably join the league for a bit just because like say i'm a costume nerd so Mm. i want to make me some doublets um but i'm pretty certain or later i will come back to high cut um there's just it's just too interesting um might do might do i've got some some ideas for dawn um got some urizen ideas and um i really like the uh freeborn costume Mm. brief Mm. Um, I love I love all that use of color and everything. That's the only downside of Highguard. We don't get to be as colorful as anyone else. Um, but yeah, I, I really like their costume brief. So sure. you know, maybe. But um, yeah, it, I, I would never have thought it, but Highguard is where my heart is. Yeah, it, it's so funny. Like I had a similar experience with Navarre. Like when stepping into Empire before knowing anything about it, I was kind of looking around at the, at the different nations, the ones that kind of jumped out at me. I've always kind of been into that kind of uh, Eastern European. Uh, yeah. sort of Eurasian steppe kind of style stuff that sort of Turkic influence so I was always mm. looking at Varushka and I was like oh that would be a nation I'd be interested in playing uh, and then we played in Navarre and to be honest with you it wasn't one of those briefs that really jumped out at me but the experience of playing in the nation yeah. and like, having songs and stories and having the camaraderie that's come about through there it's I almost can't imagine myself somewhere else I mean there's other there, there are certainly places I'm, I'm, I'd be thinking of going uh, again, like um, similar to you, that the league and the brass coast are both mm. sort of things that kind of call to me. Just the colours are so striking. I think. Yeah, yeah, it's it's all about the colours. <laughs> so I mean, just in, yeah, I mean the opportunities for costume design, I think, uh, or mm. kit design, sorry, are, are really really interesting. I mean, uh, you as someone who obviously takes in a lot of commissions and so on, uh, are there particular types of things that you've really had a lot of fun making for Empire sort of recently that jump out at you? Um, I make a lot of Jamie Lannister coats. Right. <laughs> the, the amount, the amount of people who come up to me and like, I want a Jamie Lannister coat, and it's like, okay, yep, another one of these. And I don't mind it. I, I, I actually quite enjoy doing like sort of variations on the Jamie Lannister coat, like doing mm-hmm. slightly different designs. But at the core, it is still a Jamie Lannister coat. Um, I'd love to do more sort of femme female things. Like I want to make more dresses. Like mm. I get a lot of men who commission me, which I do not mind. I love making like all kinds of clothes. But yeah, sometimes you're like, I just want to make a pretty dress. Yeah. <laughs> um, I love making doublets. Um, doublets I really enjoy. But again, I do a lot of high guard commissions for people. Mm-hmm. So it's lots of hassocks and coats and... Um, again, it gives me a chance to sort of look into the more Game of Thronesy side of things and kind of be like, uh, I'm trying to make epaulets a thing in Highgard mm. at the moment. <laughs> um, you know, sort really of shoulder cool. pieces. Yeah, yeah, that so, would be really nice. And, yeah. it add, and it's an opportunity to add a little bit of flair and bling to the nation, right? Yeah, yeah. So and I recently we're still made, keeping that military um, vibe as well. Yeah, totally. And and it's again, it's sort of bringing that kind of military element mm. into the outfit. Um, so I recently made uh, a cloak for someone in Highguard, and it's got a dragon scale uh, epaulette on the shoulders. Oh, that's and nice. p- uh, part of it is obviously it's like you know it's like that armor. It's got that epaulette look, that military look. But also in Highguard, one of the sort of background beliefs we believe in is uh, the idea of the Highguard basilisk. 
Mm-hmm. Um, and so I wanted to kind of lean into that, you know, dragon scale, basilisk scale kind of hint. So it's, it's, there's lots of just, I, I love being able to put like meaning into clothes. Like sure. something is there for a particular reason. It's not just stuck on for the sake of it. <laughs> I think that's an interesting, uh, I've recently uh, gone down to see uh, Andy from the Orcs Planet and, and uh, he's mm. making me a cloak and that's a really exciting opportunity. But mm. talking uh, as uh, to a costume designer like yourself is... And this is, I guess, separate from High Guard or anything, but it's an interesting <laughs> opportunity having someone like you on the podcast. So I hope you don't mind me kind of diving into this. No, but no, not at all. As somebody seeking to uh, commission someone to do work, are there any tips that you can give for people uh, seeking to to source a commission about the types of ideas and questions and brief they should give you and what sort of helps you achieve that kind of end result? Are there sort of certain things that you look for and say this is a really helpful uh, client to deal with yeah um so i will start off by saying every person who does commissions is different so i can't speak for everyone sure but from my experience um i actually say to people uh can you make me a pinterest board of Mm. um necessarily like i want this specific garment but more of like the vibe you're going for the sort of aesthetic um, so I made an outfit a while back um, for someone who is a Wintermark Thane, and he sent me a load of pictures of uh, King Theoden from uh, from Lord of the Rings and um, uh, what's his name? Uh, one of the dwarves. Uh, I've forgotten his name <laughs> from sure. The Hobbit. Um, but but so it was this very kind of like regal with furs and this sort of you know this intricate embroidery and all the, and so then that gave me the chance to then put together a design sort of based off those elements sure. um so like a mood board almost was, like um... yeah yeah very much a mood board and it i i don't like it when people say like i specifically want this garment and they'll send me a picture uh, but i want it in blue with my group logo on it or something sure. um like it, when it's very much kind of doing a, a direct copy i i don't enjoy doing that because a it's someone else's work mm. uh and b it it doesn't sort of allow for that creativity um again things like you know the generic stuff of understands that commissioners need to be paid and things are probably going to be more expensive than sure, you expect it to be yeah. <laughs> you know that sort of thing um but yeah I, and i think just like if there's any uh anything you specifically want it to have bring that up at the beginning so Mm. you know people saying to me halfway down the line oh i want this to have pockets it's like oh well i've already made it now you know and it's things like that just just so yeah if you kind of come up with an idea of what you want to begin with but and sort of like those elements make it specific but the actual design just, just kind of be like, I want this sort of vibe, this sort of aesthetic going on. <laughs> yeah, and I um, think um, like yeah. having an in-depth conversation from the outset mm. uh, and having a clean view maybe of not necessarily 100% what you want, because I think that does yeah. give elements of... Because then you can have a back and forth with the mm. uh, the person you... I mean, you're seeking someone's artistic skill. So it's in, yeah. it's, it's useful, I think, to 
let the artist sort of help you because they can also look at your current kit, for example, and say, oh, well, maybe have you considered this? Because I think it would accentuate yeah. this other aspect of your kit that you have currently existing or whatever. And, you know, I really like this element of your kit that we have going. So why don't we make something that maybe shows mm. that a little bit and doesn't just like completely cover it up or something, for example, like uh, yeah. you can start having these kind of evolving conversations uh, and uh, and I think I mean obviously everyone's different in how they approach it, but I think yeah, there's, yeah. there's definitely interesting conversations you you can have, and I think being detailed, having that detail front loaded, I think is maybe a good way to go. Would you, would you, would you agree? Yeah. With that? Oh, completely, completely. Um, you know, I've uh, I, I I very much had people. Uh, so so uh, a recent design I finished was uh, not for Empire, I'm afraid, but for a different LARP. Sure. Um, they would be it's um greek gods in uh the regency era which i was like yeah i'm down for that, yeah, that <laughs> um sounds, that sounds cool yeah yeah and uh their character is they're playing aphrodite okay so it's like, okay cool how <laughs> yeah, do i take aphrodite yeah how do i take aphrodite and put it in like the regency era so again there's lots of kind of like you know how do you feel about using sort of like nude fabrics you know sort of lots of sort of satins and silky stuff mm. to kind of create that sensual kind of vibe and it's all about kind of figuring out what works for the player and mm. you know they'll be like oh what you know someone might say i don't like my arms being on show can i have long sleeves for mm. example um and things like that and kind of going yeah we can do long sleeves how about this um mm. the, the outfit i'm working on at the moment uh the chap is in the league and he said that his group colors are black and white and another color but he hasn't he was like i don't know what the other color should be and i was like how do you feel about salmon pink <laughs> right, sure. and he and he was like that sounds mad i'm i'm into it do it so yeah. so yeah and it, it's that sort of thing of kind of being able to suggest things and kind of having a discussion about what people are okay with and not okay with um that must and, be exciting yeah, it, actually because you can actually become involved in uh, helping someone define an aspect of their so own self-expression mm. because ultimately that's a, a degree of what LARP is and when we're, we're playing we're yeah. able to we're expressing ourselves and you're obviously helping facilitate uh, something that really makes that an achievable end so that's that must yeah, be totally. really exciting to be involved in I, I I love it like I whenever I say to people you know what I love about doing costuming the thing is for me I like helping other people feel cool mm -hmm. like that is that is what i enjoy most about it. is if someone comes out in an outfit that i've made and they think yeah i look awesome i feel cool i feel confident people are looking at how good i look to me that's 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 the end goal i yeah. want people to have that feeling and be like yeah i'm ready for it so yeah that that's what it's, what it's all about for me <laughs> And, and and leading more broadly on from that, do you have uh, any uh, tips or advice for people to maybe look at getting into sort of costume design and stuff like that? And, and like how you go around getting into this kind of space that you're in is is there a good way to kind of start? She started um, being a cosplayer. <laughs> um sure. And uh, my gran actually taught me to sew because before then I could not sew a thing. It was terrible. <laughs> um, but. And, and I very quickly learned that as much as I love cosplay, um, I got kind of annoyed at being like, well, I'm, I'm, 
I'm doing other people's designs. Mm. Um, so the great thing about LARP is because you're making your own character, you can kind of decide what your character looks like from, mm -hmm. you know, the top to the bottom. Um, so for me, it was literally start with a really cheap sewing machine, um, buy some patterns, like the really easy patterns online um, about like, oh, okay, well, this is vaguely the sort of shape I want. Um, I did a lot of looking into, again, uh, Pinterest is amazing. I would watch a lot of films and sort of be like, oh, I like that character's outfit and sort of take notes of it and sort of steal designs from that and sort mm. of chop and change things. And it's very much about just finding stuff you like and using that as inspiration. Um, and again, like I, I, one of the things I would do would I would look on sites for fabric, usually fabric far more expensive than I could ever afford. <laughs> but I would, I would look at it to get ideas of like, oh, okay, like that color is really cool. Mm. And if I take that sort of color, obviously a cheaper version <laughs> of that color, um, and and then make it out of this, make it into this outfit, that would look really cool. And it, to be honest, at the end of the day, it's all just trial and error. Mm -hmm. So. You are and, gonna and make again, mistakes, it, and that's just. You're gonna of the make process. mistakes, yeah. and and you you don't get better if you don't get it wrong, you know. Yeah. I think that's <laughs> um, a very you know, true I, aspect of of all of this, and and for sure, for sure. Yeah, and I still sometimes sew sleeves in the wrong way around, so you know it it happens to people all the time, um, <laughs> but um, yeah, and again, I think also is don't be afraid to step a little bit out outside your comfort zone mm. um i i th that's one of the things i have noticed a lot when doing commissions um especially with sort of male uh, presenting people um i don't know if it's because people get nervous or they're not used to sort of being a bit out there or a bit flamboyant um but i it will be a kind of case of they'll 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 want something really kind of cool and out there but there, there's always the response of oh i don't know if i can pull it off Mm. um at the end of the day if you're wearing it you can pull it off <laughs> like that that's all you need to know is like if you are wearing an outfit and you think that garment looks cool you are pulling it off <laughs> and this is something i've found actually through playing talus and i've tried to sort of go into making him because originally it started off as a joke that you know he's a bit of a fancy pants and actually to honest with you, my <laughs> kit wasn't really but like I've tried to now move my kit in that direction actually and, and be, mm. become a sort of a fancy Navarre and what that would mean and stuff like that and yeah actually like the way it makes me feel like putting a lot of this stuff on I mean it's still not like the most elaborate kit in the world but I, I'm, oh, I'm proud of it <laughs> oh thank you but no, I, I'm I've very seen, I've seen it's pretty i really like it <laughs> like I, I i'm you know what i mean it's stuff that like i would have i would have had that conversation with myself and say i i couldn't pull this off or it's 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 mm. sort of like you know what i mean it's it's something that i wouldn't have thought that i would be wearing yeah but now i am and now that i go yeah, and larp's a wonderful place to kind of have the, these kind of mm. opportunities and i think yeah as you say for especially for people who are um male presenting it, it can be almost you can be kind of um conditioned to think that that, that these kind of yeah. opportunities maybe aren't for you but it's like it's yeah. actually like I, I feel a bit empowered like wearing it right like i mm. feel like there's something like it's actually quite uh uplifting to i mean obviously there's yeah. the fact that i've i've made a lot of it myself which is one one element but i think it's also just the the, the fact that it's 
bright colors and there's a bit of flash and flair to it and the fact that, that this is me wearing this right like, mm. there is something about that and i think i would encourage people not necessarily saying that you have to go like super blingy but like to, to explore your imagination of possibility mm. about what your kit could be rather than hold yourself back into what you think are the limits of uh yeah of where you should be you know i mean like there's so many within the briefs there's so many opportunities to sort of push the envelope a little bit mm. and, and and really define your character right like you don't have to be just someone right you can be you mm. and i think that's the most you know that's that sort of idea of like becoming your character and and and, and desiring to sort of achieve a look that you feel sort of sells who, who your character is i think is, is is a noble pursuit and i think working mm. with people like yourself and talking with other people it's you know it's certainly like enlightening and eye opening into the possibilities of what kit can be and what where you can mm. potentially take it and the way it can make you feel i think is an important yeah. aspect of all of that as well yeah completely and and again it's like the amount of times i see people who watch a film and they're like oh my god i love what this character is wearing mm. i wish i could look that cool it's like you can yeah. like you know, there, there, there is nothing stopping you from looking that cool. <laughs> like, you just need the outfit to do it. And and that's completely okay. Um, and, you know, again, in just, just this is from my personal experience, you know, I notice a lot of, um, again, traditionally mask presenting people, you know, they'll spend loads of time making themselves look really cool in all their armor. You know, they look mm. awesome. They, you know, they decorate their armor. looks awesome. And then when they're you know going back to um empire you know they're wandering around anvil and their clothes are just kind of a bit like and again this isn't kick shaming but like in comparison to the armor it's not as sort of like vibrant and out there Mm. and it's like there's nothing stopping you from looking just as cool as you do in your armor but in your soft kit you know Mm. um and i just think yeah like there is so much out there uh there are so many um sellers out there there's so many commissioners out there um, you know if you're not confident at starting uh, at doing your own kit that's totally fine people will happily make you kit and even if it's just a case of you've got um i don't know a mithlon coat just sewing some uh, some nice trim that you found mm. around the edge can be the start of it like yeah. you don't have to start you know completely flamboyantly out there you can start small and kind of build um and and again, the nice thing is when you're wearing uh, like a cool looking outfit or just something that's like a little bit more fancy, uh, people will go up to you and be like, wow, I really like that. Where'd you mm. get that from? And then you sort of get this nice tingly feeling of like, oh, well, yeah, thank you. And then it's like, well, now I want like something to match yeah. this because then I do. And, and that's what's so nice about it. I mean, I love going up to people in kit that I see and go, oh, that's really nice. And I'll go up to them and be like, yeah, OC, just want to say I love your kit. <laughs> you know, most, most of the time I'll try and do it in the out of character area, but sometimes you're like, I will never find this person again, so I need to tell them now. <laughs> yeah, and th- th- um, there's so many different ways to like take whatever that vibe of kit, like if, if that vibe is, say, uh, you want to look scruffy, right? There's a way of mm. actually doing a scruffy look, and, and uh, like, I've seen this a whole bunch or to do like a grungy look or to do like uh any of those kind of kind of looks it doesn't as i say it doesn't have to be blingy there's ways of doing these oh, other yeah. types of looks that are also really dramatic and really mm. striking and really sell this idea of character and story and the mm. opportunities and also 
as you as a player play your character, it's not like when you turn up, you know, you don't necessarily know who you'll grow into or the experiences you'll have along the way. But those experiences, um, I mean, maybe, for example, you'll get little bits of trinkets along the way. Someone will give you something or an event will occur and you'll want to sort of represent that in some way. And then there's each of these opportunities you can look at as a way of maybe thinking, "Mm, how does this maybe affect my look? Right. And how does this affect how I present myself? And that's that can be presenting yourself, obviously, in speaking and in and in, in, in physical performance. But also it's an opportunity to consider how you present yourself in terms of your kit and, and your outward mm. appearance. And I, I think there's a lot of exciting opportunities that LARP gives us to sort of yeah. allow ourselves to indulge in the idea of a, of a personal narrative that we can project a little bit and 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 not feel as we sometimes i think do maybe in the real world we feel a bit more reserved a bit more uh, and and Mm. conformity conformity as to how we should look and how we should present ourselves larp gives us that opportunity i think to really kind of like push away from that a little bit and 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 explore who who we'd like to kind of like uh, express a little bit as as this character you know so i think it's definitely something worth considering mm. if you're there and on your own offense and you're thinking about where to go with your kit and as you say there's people uh, like yourself at, 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 like and there's so many talented people out there you can ask for tips and pointers on mm. i mean uh, oh I'm, yeah i'm always happy to talk to people about even if they're just like can i have some advice on my yeah. kit i will happily natter about kit anytime <laughs> and, and i think actually uh, obviously i can't speak for all larps but i know empire has a bunch of uh, we we do in navarre we've got the, our, our national uh group and i'm sure that the, mm. well i know there's one for high guard as well in fact that i know there's one yep. for all the different nations you can go on there and you can sort of ask for opinions on your kit you can ask mm. for uh, uh advice about maybe different things that you're considering and about where to go you know would certain colors work would certain designs work how could you incorporate this kind of feel and so, stuff like that and and not like people in my experience broadly t- to the vast degree are there to be helpful and to mm. to to uplift you and support you and that you know definitely use the 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 community to your advantage because there's some wonderful wonderful and incredibly talented people out there who can help help you achieve yeah. what you're trying to get to yeah and and also like don't feel that once you have your character's outfit that that's it that's mm. kind of the end of things like you can add bits you can take bits away you know when something dramatic happens to your character, you know, maybe do something completely different. Um, mm. For me, for example, when, um, so Luke went through literally uh, an in-game year of deciding whether or not he was going to leave his chapter. Mm. Um, and so I was like, right, he's going to go on pilgrimage to decide if he's going to, you know, leave or stay or join someone else, whatever. Um and so I specifically made like a pilgrim's robe. Mm. It's literally made out of dust sheets. It is the cheapest thing ever. <laughs> um, literally, literally rectangles sewn together. Look, that bing bang bong. You know, it's it's a robe. <laughs> but but yeah, it, it the the response I got from people when I stepped out of my tent, mm. suddenly wearing this white robe like and it and it looked you know it was coarse and it looked sort of like a bit rough and you know i you know been walking in it and stuff and everyone was sort of like what are you wearing yeah. and it instantly gave me the opportunity to say well i'm going on pilgrimage and 
you can use clothing as an opportunity for role play mm. and that's one of the things i think is really cool um one of one of the um bits of bling i added to um solomon from the shattered towers coat um was the basilisk mm. because he wanted to have like a massive symbolism of vigilance now the coat was already made like the the basilisk was added later um but again it was that sort of significant i want to make a statement sure. and again that created loads of role play outs of it so again don't just feel like you're sort of constrained to your outfit as is you can like you know you might be like this is perfect i never want to touch it again like hmm. something might happen and then yeah, you'll be surprised don't be afraid yeah, yeah be don't surprised. be afraid to play with it <laughs> like the things that can occur to you to your character can have a, a sometimes a dramatic i mean and and, mm. and of course this is partly you know potentially why why we, why we play larp right to go to through some uh shifts in our arc right our character mm. arc and for things to happen and when those things happen they may very well speak to you in a way that makes you consider about how you want to represent uh, mm. your character's look and also i think another thing is uh there's often the idea of actually making things is is actually quite good fun and if you've got a taste oh, yeah. for it like the the act like i've especially during this long dark period one thing i've really found is actually just sitting down and crafting uh, and it can be mm. whatever right i mean it's not all all larp stuff but just sitting down and being a little bit uh creative or, or whatever can actually be its yeah. own joy but also the idea that oh. you can then make stuff for other people and you can be like yes. here's a little trinket and this is like you may maybe it's something that you give someone else and there's a real joy i think in like being mm. able to sort of say you know to sort of pass on a little bit of kit and 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 just just as a gift or whatever i'm not saying that everyone has to do this by any means but i think no, like there's, no. there's certainly like there's lots of opportunities for you to express yourself and to bring those expressions into the game and and to to have some kind of as visual representations and and I think it's it's definitely mm. an exciting draw, uh, and the whole yeah. And, and I actually think like Empire is really good for being able to like lean into that sort of crafting side of things. So I've done both big and small crafts, not not related to costuming. Um, so uh, when so I I basically went a bit mad <laughs> for uh, for a couple of months and. Uh, after an event where I think it was 12 members of the Shattered Tower died, uh, which really affected my character in character, but also it was really sad because these were all really established characters. Of course. And 12 of them died. And so it was all a bit yeah. like, oh, really sad, you know, feel sorry for the players. So I made a massive you know, tabletop sized mosaic um, of these characters fighting uh, you know, in, in, um, uh, was it? I think it was a spiral, yeah. Mm. And um, it, I got to present it, you know, I showed them out of character, but then I got to present it in character. And it was so nice because it meant so much to the players yeah. that their characters were being remembered in such a way. But mm. also it's now like a piece of kit that, mm. you know, is used for set dressing that the Shattered Tower now have in their chapter tent at all times to sort of use as a thing to role play with. Um and like I say, that was me going a bit mad and doing something huge and massive. On a smaller scale, um, I bought a a little bell, like an old antique bell off eBay, <laughs> mm. um, attached it to um, some, some uh, leather thonging and, and wrote um, on linen uh, a, a quote about sort of like 
remembering um, what someone has taught you. Mm. And I gave it to um, uh, a character uh, and was like, wh whose um, mentor had died and it really broke them up that mm. their mentor had died. Uh, and I was like, look, I know bells don't mean anything in, in your nation, but in my nation, if you hear them ring, you can sort of hear the voice of, of those who have passed. And I want you to have this to remember your mentor. And what's really nice is I, I, I visited, uh, it was my friend Mim, I visited her and she still has the bell sitting on her mantelpiece. And That's she's really just cool. like, and she said to me, you know, that is so significant, that little thing, both in character and out of character. You know, I can do so much with it in character, but it also, you know, it helped me remember just how much of an emotional impact, mm. you know, that character had on me out of character. And I think that's what's so nice about it is it's not when you give someone something you've crafted, it's not just you giving something in character. It's, you know, people are happy out of character that yes. they've received something yeah. and it can mean a lot for them. Um, so, yeah. And, and again, it's like you don't have to do anything huge. You can literally get buy a bell off eBay and tie a bit of thonging to it. And that that will still be meaningful. And I just think that's so lovely you know <laughs> i think sometimes we can tell ourselves uh that um and we can be conditioned to think that uh, creativity is something that we can't do uh, and and mm. some people they you know they get told from you know they don't maybe get those uh, positive uh, feedbacks you know maybe that they were good at a different type of skills and they were told okay you, you can do maths and you can do this mm. but but art it's not for you and then they get through this part in life where they sort of tell themselves and they tell other people and you'll hear it a lot like i'm not a creative person and and it's like the nate you know I, I feel like everyone has a degree of creativity within them and it's just waiting to be expressed and obviously it's you know it, just consider giving it a go and, and there's a great joy that can mm. come from it and it doesn't have to be perfect um or, no, or the best no. thing and i i think like um I mean, even this podcast was one of those things where me and Dave just decided we'd start doing this, right? And it's just like, <laughs> it's by no means perfect. And it's, well, I mean, it's got me in it for starters. But the point, <laughs> <laughs> the point is that, like, just doing something and completing it and, and taking it to production is its own joy. And I think uh, those of of you who, um, you know, have really taken that to the, to the next level with uh, kit creation as well, it's just, it is phenomenal, the, the aesthetics that you can see throughout empire so i can only say thank you <laughs> to helping. No, well i mean it's it's to me it's like the community you know i just i i again it comes back to i want people to feel cool mm. and i think you know when you show up in anvil you know with someone who has never been for the first time and they just have that sort of deer in the headlights look of just mm. oh my god it's because i think again you know with larp people always sort of think it's going to be you know lightning bolt lightning bolt or whatever yeah, um, sure. and i and i think you know the moment they see it and they're like oh my god this is like a living breathing world hmm. and you know look how cool that guy looks and oh my god that person looks like they've just walked off a film set or oh my god look at this amazing thing someone's done um all of that kind of combines together and just makes the whole experience that much better for everyone um and yeah, I think 
being able to share in that is just wonderful. And yeah, everyone should have a go at, at making something or crafting something. Even if you think it's rubbish, you won't get better if you don't try, you know? <laughs> <laughs> so sorry, I've, I've kind of strayed us a little bit from High Guards. So, um, yeah. <laughs> but, but also, we've, we've, uh, I am aware that we've been uh, nattering for quite a while. Normally, how we end these things is me and Dave, we have our strength of the Empire, strength of the Var thing to say farewell. But it, we've kind of been interested with doing these national things. Is there sort of a national sort of sign-off or national words that you kind of say to each other um, before? Oh, I would say uh, the Empire is our destiny. There you go. The Empire because is our destiny. Is. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Thank you, everyone. Oh, this has been great. Thank you. <laughs> Sorry about that. Bloody hell. It's the squatters. Guards. Intruders. We're here to help. That mob outside is here for the both of you.